Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the Texas area, which, by the way, is big state, Aaron Weaver on the phone. Aaron, thanks for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, Aaron contacted us because he said that there's a perspective in law enforcement that a lot of people don't consider and that a lot of people don't give necessary credit to or for and oftentimes don't consider them to be real police. And we're talking about military police, correct? Uh, Yes, sir. You know, and I, I never really thought of it, uh, whether they're real police or not, or or why would you think that they're not given the same consideration as civilian law enforcement? Um, I think it has a lot to do with just because I guess we, we don't go through the same hiring um, processes that uh, civilian law enforcement do. And, you know, once you once you're off duty and you're outside of the installation, your your powers as a police officer kind of stop. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, for instance, like a, a city police officer, you know, for instance, our counterparts, Colleen Police Department, their officers, uh, they they may be off duty, but they still have their peace officer powers, even if they were to you know, leave the city of Colleen if they were somewhere else in the state of Texas. Back in my days in the Baltimore Police Department, while we were off duty, we technically were on duty, on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And whereas you know, in the military police world, you're a soldier first. And then, so you're a soldier 24-7, but you're not necessarily always in the role of a law enforcement officer. Now, we've had on this show before, we've had uh, retired military police. And one of the things I personally never considered, this man in particular, uh, as an MP, they wound up, he was in, stationed in Iraq, and he wound up having to do escorts on these caravans, I guess is a word I'm looking for, and wound up coming under fire. And it happened quite often, and he was shot multiple times. Yes, and uh, actually, that's hearing his uh, his testimony is what made me reach out to you because um, I did hear that uh, uh, 
segment that you guys aired. Okay. And uh, again, you know, it's it's uh, a lot of the things that we did or that I did and uh, my partners did along with me were, you know, things that the civilian side do um, as well. Yeah. And some things that we did, you know, some of the guys that I've talked to that are civilian officers have never done. Well, I personally but don't want to have to do armed convoys in a foreign country at my age now no way i'd sign up for that and when i was a younger man you know what that's that's something not a lot of people could do yeah and in it's in the role of uh, military police is is dynamic in the fact that like i said you know regardless of what your title is you're you're still a soldier so like he was saying um you know, in his role when he was overseas in Iraq, he was responsible for providing security to uh, these convoys, whether they were U.S. convoys or civilian convoys, making sure that they reach point A to point B in a safe, secure manner and could keep them from being attacked by enemies of the United States. And that's definitely a, a combat soldier role that, you know, with also law enforcement mixed in. So you've got to be skilled in, in, in all aspects of it. Correct. And what got me involved into uh, military policing was, is, uh, you know, originally when I joined the Army, I was, a, I was an infantryman. Um, so my whole purpose as an infantryman was combat related. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's all that the infantry is, does, and that's that's what they're used for is combat operations abroad. After I did that for about four and a half years, I was actually trying to get out of the army and join the Colorado State Patrol. But during that time is when we had the big recession across the country, and they went into a two-year hiring freeze. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't hire anybody for two years. Um, so at that point, I just went ahead and reclassed um, to join the military police to get some experience in law enforcement so that when I got out, I had a little bit more of an edge, um, a little bit more than just an infantry background to make me a better candidate. That's a good idea. How long have you been in the Army now so far? Well, I actually got out in 2016. Okay. Um, well, thank you February. for your service, number one. Before I forget, I, I do want to pre- say that I, I appreciate it very, very much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, thank you for your service it, you know, as a police officer here in the U.S. A lot of uh, a lot of people, even even uh, military folks, don't uh, sometimes don't recognize the things that you guys do and stuff like that in the civilian law enforcement f- field either. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they don't have that that grasp where, you know, oh, well, you're not going overseas. So they don't they don't understand and right and many many american law enforcement officers say that's true and you're also not fighting the battles at home correct so it you know there's a lot of misunderstanding and for lack of better words a lot of ignorance on both sides about what each does and yet law enforcement and military are very much kindred spirits very much uh, uh, an extended family so many of our law enforcement officers are military veterans and you know in our agency i came from quite a few were i think on average across the united states is somewhere between 17 to 25 percent somewhere in that range 
Yeah, I mean, you know, most of the uh, most of the guys that I knew that were police officers growing up and things like that, a lot of them were, you know, veterans and things of that nature as well. So, and then guys that I know that I served with are, you know, now working in different departments across the U.S. Yeah, a lot of so guys it, that trained me were uh, Vietnam veterans and Korean War veterans. You know, the, the Korean War veterans were the real old timers, uh, but that was back in 1980 when I was a rookie, and so we had we had influences from of military combat veterans from both of those uh, I know the, the, the politicians they call it conflicts uh, both of those extended wars give a shout out to those guys too and thank them for their service yeah they, they did an uh, awesome job and they were yeah. awesome police they were great great at teaching how to do a police work how to be a member as a law enforcement officer of the community you served, how to serve them. They, they handled all those things that we talk about nowadays is community policing. That's what we did 24 seven, 365 back in the day. I don't know when it changed. It's a, uh... it's like I say, it, with being military police, it's a, it's a really uh, different dynamic. in the fact that the, you know, we police our own, like I said, you're your soldier 24-7, and then, but you're also tasked with the duties of you know, enforcing the state laws, the federal laws, as well as the military laws and the Army regulations. And, but at the same time, you know, we're not dealing with just soldiers or just uh, military members. We're also dealing with civilians that live on post, that work on oh, yeah. post, and all those different things. I grew up in a Navy family. My dad's career Navy. And when I was young and I got my driver's license, I got to talk. I got to talk from my father and my mother about how to behave, and especially when I was driving on base, uh, where I worked there as a part-time job or going to uh, the Navy Exchange or the commissary, that there was different sets of protocols back in the day than driving around your normal city streets. And uh, those men and women that the military police, the shore patrol in the Navy, that's what they're called, had a, a difficult job, even stateside. And uh, certainly, I think they didn't get the proper credit and appreciation for all they did. Folks, you are listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. 
So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677, get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. <music> Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society t-shirts from honor-line.com. These unique tombstone-themed t-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code LET at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chest Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Use promo code LET to save 10%. That's promo code LET at honor-line.com. We are back with Aaron Weaver calling us from Texas. Aaron did a, a long career in the United States Army. How long were you in? I was in for about eight and a half years total. Okay, and you got uh, out when, 2016, is that what you said? Uh, February of 2016. Okay, and uh, you were infantry first, and then uh, military police in the Army for how many years were you an MP? Um, it was it was about it was about half and half. I think there's a total of uh, about four and a half to five as an infantryman, and then uh, it was right around four to three as a military police officer. And uh, are you looking to continue on a career in civilian law enforcement? Uh, yes, I am. I currently work as a public safety officer for uh, one of the largest. Uh, healthcare campuses here in central texas um, but i am uh, currently looking to continue that career in the civilian side as a full-fledged peace officer uh, and just, are you uh, looking to stay in texas or are you willing to relocate um no i'm really i'm willing to relocate um i mean i'm obviously looking here in texas but also back home in arizona where i'm uh, originally from so I'm say that because for recruiters who are listening, uh, here's a prime candidate, and we all know that almost every major law enforcement agent across the United States is, has a ring recruiting problems, and and we're not staffing uh, the amount of officers that we need, and it's constantly trying to find qualified candidates. 
And Aaron Weaver certainly sounds like a qualified candidate. If you want his information, just contact me here at lawenforcementtoday.com uh, or on our Instagram or Facebook page. Uh, you can also check us out at Facebook at Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. I'll get the message either way, and I'll, I'll get Aaron the information. You come from a long line of law enforcement people, and I know that we can't talk about the roles that all your family members have because some of them are still working in law enforcement or law enforcement related activities. So we won't mention their names. Uh, Just give us a brief overview of your family's background in law enforcement. Well, my family's background uh, comes all the way from my great, great grandfather, possibly even prior to him. He's just the one that I can recollect the most. Um, He was a sheriff in Kansas. He was actually killed in the line of duty, uh, attempting to apprehend some bank robbers in a pursuit, I believe. And then my grandfather, he worked in the corrections field for a very long time. He was part of the chase team for escaped convicts in Arizona Department of Corrections. And then my father, he actually worked for the uh, security forces in the Air Force. Then he got out. When he got out of there, he worked in corrections for a little while as well. Couldn't stand it. He hated it. Uh, didn't like being as he put it, locked in the same... I think that takes a special... the same way as they are. <laughs> a, a special person with acquired skill set. Now, I'll be honest with you. My career in law enforcement, I don't think I ever could have been a corrections officer. I don't think I could have done it, not for two days. No, he, he absolutely hated it. And he ended up going through, um, becoming a certified police officer for the state of Arizona. Uh, started working for a department, um, which was my hometown where I grew up. And he actually worked his way up from uh, patrolman all the way to chief. He did a lot of uh, a lot of different things with that department. Um, he did a lot of stuff all over southern, southeast Arizona, but he did, he's asked that I don't disclose what that is. No, I get it. So. We appreciate it. We never push people to talk about things they can't talk about or or are not comfortable talking about, and, and you understand the reasons why. And there's certainly a security aspect involved with this as well, so we don't want to go into it. But please, thank your father. You know, I came from a family where my dad was career Navy, and we didn't have law enforcement in our family. I had a couple cousins uh, that were in New York area and police department up there, but it wasn't big. So when I said I wanted to, to be a cop, I think, first I wanted to be a priest. And then I like, nah, that's not it for me. It, my dad said, what do you want to do? I said, I'll be a cop. He's like, what? He was, where did that come from? But it's certainly a yeah. calling. My, my dad's kind of the same way. I told him you know, that I was going to continue pursuing the civilian side of it. And he he said, why don't you just be a fireman? Everybody likes firemen. That's what we always say. If you want to be a hero and you want to be loved by everybody, be a firefighter. If you want to yeah. be a hero and be hated by everybody, be a police officer. He's definitely, I mean, he, he has nothing against the, the law enforcement aspect and the policing. It's just, you know, he did, he'd rather me not. Yeah. And did he say the reasons why? Uh, just because, you know, um, how things are, how the, uh, I guess the culture is, our society is, how, how people are, I guess more or less, I don't want to say it's the majority of individuals, but there's that sour taste in everyone's mouth when it comes to policing or the negative outlook on police officers right now, um, just because of the way the, the, the media is pushing everything and things like that. And I do think, how society I agree is you. today. I think the, the media uh, drives a lot of this portrayal of law enforcement. And we always say two things. Number one is 
They don't report the thousands of great things that law enforcement officers do daily across the United States. You have, let's just use round figures. You have about a million law enforcement officers, and there are literally millions of law enforcement civilian contacts per day in the United States, and the vast majority of them don't involve any negative interaction whatsoever, don't involve use of force, don't involve deadly force, don't involve anything other than uh, extreme professionalism. Yet, there's one incident, and they'll blow that up, and they'll make it look like the entire United States, as if Baltimore's the same as Philly, which is the same as Dallas, which is the same as Los Angeles, and it's not true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... You know, I wish there was a way that we could we could change all that, but you know, it's it just always seems to be that way. I mean, I remember growing up um, and seeing things like this in the news and stuff like that. And you know, I was I was younger, so I didn't really pay too much of mind to it. But as I got older, I saw it more and more and more. And now it's just it's, it's out of control. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I think that programs like this and having an interview with you uh, go a long way uh, in helping change that uh, perspective by, by giving people a platform to tell their stories. Uh, by the way, if you want to tell your story, a law enforcement officer, first responder, uh, a victim of crime who's uh, recovered and, and built a successful life afterwards, we'll provide that platform for you on the Law Enforcement Day Show. Just contact me. What would you say would be the hardest thing that most people don't realize about growing up as a youngster in a law enforcement family? I think it would have to be, you know, the not knowing. Though the the area in which I grew up was was a small it was a smaller town. We're near the U.S. Mexico border, and as everybody knows right now, that things at the the border aren't um, well. They're just to be blunt, they're generally not safe. Um, and a lot of things that um, my family were. Uh, tasked with doing, if you will, took them away from home at times. And uh, there were times that we didn't, we didn't get to hear from them. We didn't get to, we didn't get to talk to them, didn't get to see them, things like that for, for long periods of time. And not only that, it was, you know, we, we as uh, kids or even my mom, we got uh, threats from individuals that were involved with, you know, certain criminal enterprises and things like that, uh, due to investigations and different things of that nature. Um, and then also just, you know, trying to, especially in a smaller town where everybody knows who everybody is trying to just trying to grow up and, you know, enjoy life like a normal kid. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it was, those things were typically difficult. Um, they got a little bit easier, you know, as I got older and, you know, everyone around me to include myself matured more and uh, then it wasn't such a problem but even still you know, there were there were certain aspects of certain things that you just weren't included in because you know you had that stigma of oh well you know your dad's a, your dad's a cop or this and that and so those things were difficult I was, and probably that in that general aspect was more so for my brother than me but I just remember at times, uh, even after I left home, I was in the military where I would get, you know, information be like, hey, your mom and brother are going to be going and staying here for a while because we've got this going on or we've got that going on. So we're going to have to move move them out for a little bit. All right. We're going to take a so, short break. We are talking with Aaron Weaver. Aaron is a U.S. Army veteran. 
uh, military police veteran, currently working as a public safety officer and looking to become a civilian police officer. Listen, Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke... When Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society t-shirts from honor-line.com. That's honor-line.com. These unique tombstone-themed t-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code LET at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chest Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Remember, use promo code LET to save 10%. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us on the phone, calling from the great state of Texas, we have Aaron Weaver on the phone. Aaron, if you're just tuning in, Aaron is a U.S. Army veteran. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Army Infantry and Military Police. And you did about eight and a half years in the United States Army, correct? Yes, sir. And were there big differences between infantry soldier status and military police status, in your opinion? Uh, yes, very much so. So, like I said earlier, as an infantryman, uh, you know, my primary role was uh, combat-oriented. Uh, I deployed several times to Afghanistan in combat operations and things of that nature. Once I reclassed and became a military policeman, I actually came down to Fort Hood here in Texas um, and was assigned to the Narcotics Investigations, uh, which is which falls under CID, Criminal Investigation Command. It was almost more or less like being a civilian than being in the army. I wore civilian clothes to work every day. Uh, I carried, you know, I, I carried a gun and uh, and a badge rather than um, a full body armor and a, a, an army uniform and a rifle anymore. 
And the duties that I was tasked with doing was we investigated anything that was considered a felony uh, level narcotics charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Involving military personnel and or the base facilities? Correct. As well as in the thing that a lot of things that, you know, people didn't, don't understand is that all we needed was a military nexus. So even personnel that were not military or military affiliated personally, if they were found to have a nexus as in they were selling narcotics to individuals on post or assisting in the manufacturing of, of such and trying to basically smuggle them onto the installation. Also, you know, spouses or dependents, um, things like that. We also had a, a lot of gang activity on Fort Hood that was involved with uh, narcotics just as anywhere else. If there's Is that involving enlisted personnel and or civilians or both? Both. Um, you know, we've, we, have a, we have a high... A high count of gangster disciples um, on Fort Hood, as well as Latin Kings, and then we also have the issues with the locals, uh, local gangs, um, which are affiliated with the Roland Sixty Crips in Colleen, and then Bloods in Temple. So we have all those different types of affiliations, and then you bring in the aspect of Fort Hood, which is bringing people in from all over the country who have joined the military. And they're either being recruited or they were already a member and joined the army and are now recruiting for their gang and, and using, we would think, using uh, the military as their platform. Yeah, I would think that it's, many people don't even consider criminal gangs as being part of or a possibility with the, the armed services. But you deal with the same population as everybody else in the United States, and that's where you get your recruits from, and you're going to take some of those problems with you. You're going to get some of them. Yes, yes, and it's it's true. I mean, we've you know, we've had the violence uh, spill out on the streets of Fort Hood uh, due to it, um, gang rivalry, um, different things like that. You know, where they would conduct their narcotic sales or their manufacture of such, and they would attempt to sell. We had a lot of uh, armed home invasions where people were stealing prescription narcotics as well as firearms, and then attempting to sell them to high schoolers and things like that. I'm not a naive person. I'm kind of amazed because I, I, for one, had never really considered that. You'd think that, you know, our military installations are very secure facilities. Thanks in part to the, the great work that MPs, Shore Patrol, uh, all those people do, in addition to their civilian law enforcement counterparts on base. And we always have those television shows, NCIS and all them. And all these people are part of a big team to help keep these facilities secure. So I don't know why I didn't consider this stuff. I mean, it's just, I believe that, I think it's, it has a, a lot of it has to do with that big fence and big gate that you come in and they check everybody's ID and it, it gives you the feeling that it's secure. But what happens inside of it, I mean, it, it's the same thing that's happening outside. It's right. just the, they're already inside. Plus um, then you have the other aspects that we, I, I thought of right away, you have terrorist attacks, whether they be from foreign terrorists or domestic. That's something you guys always had to be on guard for. Right. And that, and then the, the gates, the gates is more or less, that's what that is for. Uh, the, you know, after nine 11, uh, happened, they ramped up all the security on all military installations. And that's more or less what that is for is to deter, uh, 
terrorist attacks and or allowing enemies of the U.S. access to the installations. Not so much criminal, not so much the criminal element of things, uh, but they do try to uh, encompass stopping, um, you know, illegal things from occurring by, you know, those that aren't allowed on the post making it in or, you know, we've had, you know, individuals trying to smuggle narcotics to the point of stuffing them up underneath their dashboards, um, Mm -hmm. filling, filling all these different voids inside the car and different stuff like that, trying to smuggle, you know, uh, cocaine, marijuana, methamphetamine, um, all these different things onto the installations. So you guys dealt with the same type of criminal element that the civilian counterparts do. And yet we seem to be worlds apart in our view of each other. Exactly. It, it, we're dealing with the same exact stuff. Um, you know, I've worked countless cases and countless hours alongside civilian agents and officers, you know, from the DEA, FBI, to Texas Rangers, uh, U.S. Marshal Service, to Colleen Police Department, Temple Police Department, and even San Marcos Police Department. Um, I've worked hundreds of cases with uh, all these other different entities and things of that nature. And so even, I guess those agencies even, that are nearby, it's not, un, it's not foreign to them because that's, that's part of their daily operation. Right. And it's, and you know, we've gone as far as to work with Interpol um, because, you know, we have bases all over the place in different countries and stuff like that. So sometimes we even involve them with some of our investigations. Um, human trafficking, drug drug trafficking, uh, firearms trafficking. Um, we've uh, Fort Hood is actually was being used as a hub for firearms trafficking from Mexico to California for a while, and we had to set up a different surveillance and things like that to watch this drop house for a good month and just record and get information and gather intel. And then once we had it all, we were able to. Uh, get in contact with the DEA, ATF, FBI, and you know, work with them and how to go about getting, um, you know, all elements involved from California, Texas, and Mexico uh, to include the service members that were using the house. And you and I both know that when you do that kind of groundwork, I tell people the surveillance, getting and obtaining information is long, it's arduous, it's not like television at all, and, and it's serious, hardcore grunt work. I mean, you can put in 18 hours sitting in one spot. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it definitely... You know, it'll definitely take a toll on you, but and it's you know you you, you got to have your wits about you because you know the guys that are doing it they they know that they're probably being watched and if they you know think any kind of person or get any kind of feeling that they're being watched they're going to change up what they're doing. Right. Absolutely. We are talking with Aaron Weaver. We're going to be talking more about his military police career and why he wants to go into civilian policing. And by the way, I'll repeat it for recruiters out there looking for a highly qualified candidate. We know they're in short supply. Aaron definitely fits the bill. You can always contact me and I'll get him your information. He's located in Texas. Uh, and um, get a hold of me on our website, lawenforcetoday.com, the contact us page, or send me a message via Facebook. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the Doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786 800-932-1786 Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. And they all have one thing in common. Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard, that's optional. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. We're talking with Aaron Weaver. Aaron is U.S. Army military veteran. He is a veteran of the infantry and also a about a four and a half year veteran of Army military police. And again, thank you for your service, Aaron. Much appreciated. And I got to get better at saying that. I think I think it goes both ways. You know, I, I need I need to get better at it as well. So yeah, and thank you for I'm, years. I've had a hard time with. I'll be honest. I've had people thank me more that I've been retired than I ever did when I was on the job. And one of the things is when they say thank you, I feel uncomfortable. I don't know what to say, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like it's awfully hard to say. You're welcome. No, yes, no. I mean, it it, it is. It's it's it's, you know, it's it's just a job. It's you know, you're not out there looking for for the credit, so to speak. You're, you're there to do a job and something that you believe in personally and are willing to put forth the time, effort, and blood, sweat, and tears to do so. So, yeah. It's a career, it's an occupation, but there's, there's so much more that goes involved with that. And as you explained earlier in the interview, you know, growing up in a law enforcement family as a youngster is a big commitment. There's, a, there's a, a lot of sacrifice by them as well. No law enforcement officers, no first responders, our firefighters, our EMTs, our dispatchers, our corrections officers, they may serve alone uh, in the job, but their family is also part of the equation. And they, they help support it. They can't do it on their own. They couldn't. No, definitely not. I mean, uh, even through the the different things that I've gone through, um, you know, the the active shooter situation, or you know, just having uh, incidents in which you know I needed some some help on from or assistance. You know, I, I would reach out and call my dad and yeah. run things by him, or just vent to him and let him you know help me out. Well, that's that's good. You've got that. Um, One of the things that you talked about is you'd like to pursue a career as a civilian law enforcement officer. Right now, you are a peace officer for a uh, one of the major health systems in Texas. Correct? Uh, Yes, I'm a a public safety officer. Yes. 
Uh, we, we have different terms in different parts of the United States. So a public safety safety officer for a, a major health um, corporation or hospital institutions. How long have you been doing that? I've uh, been doing this since uh, just a little bit after I got out of the Army in 2016. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, it, it, it encompasses a lot of being a police officer sure. on patrol. Um, the, the only difference is, is I'm not, you know, fully certified through the state as a peace officer. So if I do make an apprehension or a detention of some kind, it has to meet the certain guidelines. And then, you know, we have to request uh, the local police department here in Temple uh, to come and assist with that. And one of the things is, you know, the hospitals are are, are soft targets, so that you got to be aware all the time. And it, it can't be, it used to be, you know, you could have like uh, basic security guards, the old mall cop joke type thing that could do the job. That's not the same anymore. It's a different world. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely changed. Um, our campus is about 480 acres in size, in physical size. Um, we house about eight to 10,000 people um, on a given day. Uh, that's between staff, visitors, and patients. And we have about a 12, 12 man shift. We run 12 hour shifts. Um, we have both foot patrols as well as uh, vehicle patrols on one of the vehicle patrol officers. So we cover the entire grounds. And in an aspect to really show the difference in how, you know, you were saying, you know, back in the day it was one way and now it's another. Um, just about a month ago, I was involved with the, in a altercation with a subject that was uh, hanging around um, the backside of another building. He was believed to be an individual that we were looking for that had been terminated from a construction company that was working on the campus. Um, and he had made some threatening remarks. And so they let us know about it. So we kept an eye out for him. And just to clarify, it was not, it, it ended up not being the same guy, but he fit the similar description. So when once he was seen in that area, I went ahead and stepped out to go make contact with him. And we actually got into uh, altercation to the point where he and I were fighting. Um, a taser was deployed. It was ineffective. And he actually had stabbed me with a screwdriver a couple of times um, in, the, in the head and actually punctured through my cheek. Um, luckily, I did have my, uh, my personal body armor on, my uh, level three vest. So when he attempted to stab in the body, it did not puncture. Um, I was able to dis, uh, create distance, disengage in the physical altercation and draw my... Uh, my sidearm and gave him a final warning at which he dropped the uh, screwdriver right. but then fled on foot and screwdrivers by the way can be very very deadly uh, people don't think oftentimes the press reports that is you know not a life-threatening situation and it definitely is a life-threatening situation without a doubt yeah it was i mean it was definitely hectic um I was, I was concerned. I didn't realize uh, the extent of my injuries until after I had given him uh, the final warning uh, and he fled. And then I did step back to uh, my vehicle to call for assistance until I was assured what was going on. At that point is when I realized that I was bleeding. And then aside from that, um, about two weeks ago in the same area, um, we had uh, officers that work up here um, that were actually shot at during a break-in. Yeah. 
So, so the dynamic has definitely changed. It's definitely changed. And, uh, you know, th- these men and women like you that do this job, they've got to be sharp. They've got to be razor sharp, too. It's not, it's not like it was when I was a kid at all. And, and people like to cast those aspersions about uh, security guards, security officers, uh, public safety officers. It's not warranted. And they, they do a, a much needed job. What would you say would be the biggest challenge you've found so far or that you wish law enforcement recruiters knew to make the, the hiring process easier? To be honest, it, it's just, it, it, and it's, I guess it's, it's a lot of, I don't know how how things go, uh, you know, where you worked up there in Baltimore, but I know here in Texas we have, we have civil service and we have at will. And the civil service tends to be the harder one to get into in the aspect of they don't tend to take the person for the totality of the person. They don't look at the total aspect. You know, um, for instance, I was, I applied to one agency. I was number three on their list. I don't have any felonies or anything crazy in my background, but during the personal history statement, you know, it asked if you've ever you know, made like explosives or anything. Well, when I was a child, yes, I did that. Oh, we did that all the time as kids. We, we, <laughs> we blew up models and stuff. That was what we did. Right. And that statement got me permanently disqualified from ever applying to that agency because they stated that it was considered a felony offense in the state of Texas. Even though I was a minor at the time when I told them that I did it and I explained what it was, um, but being truthful in that statement had gotten me permanently disqualified. And I'm not saying, you know, to withhold any information or anything like that, but I think what needs to happen, what we need to do is look at the totality of, you know, people as a whole, not just incidents. Right. Well, uh, the only piece of advice I would give you is uh, I would apply to agencies that you know are really struggling to get people and then do a few years there and then then look for the agency you want to go to oftentimes nowadays in law enforcement uh, there's hundreds if not thousands of officer shortages in these departments and you take the one that hire you and then you find the mate that you want later on aaron weaver thanks so much for joining us on law enforcement show very much appreciated again if any recruiters are interested in aaron contact me and i'll put you in touch i appreciate it thank you In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story, of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life feel free to contact us we'd love to have you as a guest on the law enforcement today show we made it so easy to get a hold of us too there's many different ways go to our website lawenforcementtoday.com the contact us page of the web page download our free app on our website lawenforcementtoday.com you can contact us through the free app you can contact us on our facebook page twitter instagram Heck, send me an email. My email address is J, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know, we hear so often, I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law Enforcement Today is your platform. 
Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya. Yeah.